Let's play Major League Baseball. I was hoping you and your friends could tell me something about baseball strategy. The only thing I know about strategy is that whatever the manager does, it's wrong. Unless it works, in which case he's a button pusher. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Outfield Concourse Podcast Post-All-Star Game Edition. I'm your host, Steve Fountas, back, and with me is... Casey Boguslaw. Casey's back. It's just a two-man show again, just like last year. Just like last week was a two-man show, but we're playing musical chairs, everyone. Tyler's off this week, but I'm sure he'll be back for our next show after this next couple series. And we have, a, I guess this is going to kind of be the first half thoughts slash looking ahead to the second half recap show. So we'll talk all about that. You could follow the main show's Twitter account on Twitter, at ConcoursePod. You can follow Casey, at Casey Boguslaw. And Tyler, who's normally here, you can follow him, at RegionRat14. To, for all of your White Sox thoughts and trade rumors and everything else going on right now. So there's a ton to talk about. So right now the Sox are 46 and 46, third place in the Central, three games back, two back in the loss column. And with kind of what a disaster this season is, not a disaster, but the mediocreness that this season has been so far, it's kind of a miracle they're two games back in the loss column. I mean, granted their division stinks, but I don't know. That, I was thinking about that today wow, they're only two games back if in the loss, which is really what matters. So what do you think, Casey? Is it a miracle? Is it them starting to figure it out now? Like, what's up? Well, I'll answer the first part. I, you know, there's been more bad than good. I think we can say that. Like, you know, obviously they've been a very inconsistent team, and they're at 500, so you are what the record says you are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think they've just – there's been more uh, low points than high points so far this season. And, you know, one of the high points, though, of the season is how they finished this off, this last weekend off against the Twins. And how I'll answer your second question is, you know, are we ready to get roped in again? Uh, You know, are we, (laughs) are we, you know, fully in? And I guess to answer it for myself, I mean, I'm still a little skeptical. Um, There are some stuff that I like that is happening, um, but there's still ton of question marks and you know i i there's been enough times this season where you're kind of like oh maybe they're gonna turn it around for them to very quickly um stop and uh, you know i think we're gonna when we get started with the agenda here you know tyler and i recorded right before the detroit series and we're having a very similar conversation because they had just had a nice win against the twins and it was kind of like okay let's turn it around and play four good games against the Detroit Tigers, who were playing well, but still are the Detroit Tigers, and you should beat them, and they played like crap the first two games. So yeah, is that going to happen again? Are we ready for, you know, we haven't played well in Cleveland. Uh, sorry, sorry, we haven't played well against Cleveland, specifically in Cleveland, but we haven't played well against Cleveland this year, and, you know, it starts back up against the Guardians tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm just looking over their schedule here and talking about is it a minor miracle they are where they are. They had an eight great they had an eight game losing streak at one point during the first half of the year. And I think they went like something like one in ten during that that stretch too, so or two and ten, something like that in twelve games. 
And they've had a lot of those, not a lot of like the long losing streaks, but they've had four in a row, three in a row losses. And they haven't really strung together more than three in a row this year. Maybe even four. Yeah. I, I didn't think, think, think they, maybe their longest streak is three in a row. You can, no, they won, they, won six, they won six in a row. Oh, it's um, at the beginning of the year. It's the Red Sox and the Cubs. Right, yeah. right. And they did just win four in a row. Uh, technically, they recently, they won yeah. two in Cleveland and the first two in Minnesota. Uh, okay. That, I'm with you not being ready to be, okay, let's go. However, a lot of the intangible talk that's not really proven yet has been from the players so far, people like Lance Lynn, Liam Hendricks, basically flat out said he flat out said we were complacent and we just assume we'd roll in and go but now everyone knows what to do going forward that's kind of annoying to hear especially when you have a manager that's supposedly not going to let that kind of stuff happen was i guess the selling point for hiring him and being complacent throughout the year is annoying and it's it's Everything from dumb base running plays to dumb fielding plays to not hitting consistently. And then you have, it's also, we could talk about Luis Robert, him regressing in the outfield. And is the, from what you've seen with your outfield defense eye, has it been he's making dumb decisions or has it been him acting because the Sox telling him, hey, we don't want you going balls to the wall on every play? So that's what I originally thought, um, kind of, that he was he was being lackadaisical, whether it was a directive or not, um, whether it was he didn't, doesn't want to get hurt again, you know, like he missed a bunch of the season last year. Um, he, he's just taking it easy. But now with this dizziness thing, and I am hearing that a possible, the possible, the possible um, illness that he is facing is like an inner ear thing, mm-hmm. and he's dizzy, so... Could that have explained? Could that explain any of the defensive problems that he's had? There have been weird plays where he like runs to the wall and stops, or he runs to the wall and you know is there for the catch and just lets it drop. He had two against um, the Twins, uh, not this most recent series, but the series before that, where Arias had two balls that he hit to the wall that I think Robert could have caught with them both. And he just kind of let them fall in. Is there something going on? And now, of course, we we have the diagnosis of he has he's facing dizziness. That's all we've heard from the team. Um, you know, Rick hasn't come out and said anything yet. Probably tomorrow before the homestand starts, I think we'll get a we'll get what's going on with Robert because I know on Monday he went for tests, which. You know, if I'm, what I'm hearing is correct, there's stuff that they test your inner ear and see if your balance is um, looking all right. It's scary because I don't know what the. I, I guess several players have had this before. Um, you know, Freddie Garcia had it kind of more famously on our team and uh, had multiple had surgery twice, I believe, to fix it. It was like, <laughs> I guess it's caused by listening to loud music, but it also could be caused by swimming, um, and that's how Freddie got it. But. Um, Hopefully, I mean, Robert's obviously a big part of the future and a big part of the present. And, uh, you know, it, as much as he has struggled in center field, obviously we we want him out there as White Sox fans. So it'll be an interesting press conference tomorrow from Rick, and I hope it's got some positive news about, um, you know, Robert coming back here pretty soon. Yeah, and also we had Eloy go down with an injury, but they didn't IL him. But, but as we've seen from this year, that doesn't mean anything because – Sox for some reason this year have had a lot of guys not able to play but not put in the injured list. So that's another thing we got to hope for. Um, granted, Eloy isn't exactly killing the ball 
He's, uh, but if he can get in there, he can be a presence in the lineup, so that'd be nice if he can hit. The, uh, the roster the roster is really hamstrung by I – mean, we knew it going into the season. We knew that there were so many first-base DH types on this team. Mm-hmm. And when they get little maladies here, too, that even limits them more. I don't know what's going on with Andrew Vaughn. There hasn't really been much said other than he's got sore legs. And he hasn't played the outfield. And I, I think like he's played an inning here and there. Um, but I don't think he's started in the outfield in a couple weeks. And if Eloy comes back, that means that Eloy has to be in left if Vaughn is, can't go in the outfield or, you know, or you know, with Abreu playing first. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, what are they going to do? Who's able to do what? Can Eloy play the outfield more than a week at a time without getting another injury? Could there be a trade in place to kind of solve this roster lock? I mean, I don't think so because it would be – pretty major move i don't really see that happening in the middle of the season and of course a lot of it still counts on what is the health of both vaughn and eloy too because one of them needs to play the outfield yeah and vaughn of course one of the better hitters arguably the best hitter on the team this year with yeah, him one of the best hitters in the league yeah. him tim anderson and abreu of course has really heated up and after his horrendously slow start <clears throat> even yohan moncada starting to hit the ball as well but Andrew Vaughn, yep. you mentioned he's only been playing DH for a while. The good news is he seems to be okay with it. It's not affecting his hitting where sometimes sure. that happens. So, you know, he could be your future DH slash first baseman going forward. We'll, we'll see what happens. I know we all know Jose doesn't like to play DH. Not many people do, but Andrew Vaughn seems to be Teflon. He's like, put him wherever you want. It's not really going to affect how I play or how I hit, I should say. So. Offense, so that's the offense. Then we've also got Yasmani Grandal, I guess, due to come back off the injured list. And are the Sox going to carry three catchers, or what, what's going to happen there? You know, because Sebi Zavala's been awesome, better than much better than expected, right? You know, yeah. he's it's been great. He's hitting over 300, yeah, playing a great defense, yeah, calling good games, yeah. And Reese McGuire is known for his defense, he's been throwing his, he's got a good arm as far as that, but. And that's another thing. We got another DH logjam, so that means Yaz might have to play DH, which means Vaughn couldn't. So, yep. we'll <laughs> so I think it, you know so, we just talked about Eloy and Robert. You didn't play the last series, mm-hmm. so it, are one of them going to be placed on the injured list? That if that is the case, because you do have the extra outfielder with Gavin Sheets, and if Lurie can play outfield as well, you can carry three catchers. Um, if if both are playing though, if Robert and Eloy are both active, I don't know if you can carry three catchers because then you'd have to drop an infielder, mm-hmm. and then you are in a little bit of a pickle if anyone were to get hurt uh, mid-game because you just have just fewer options. So maybe it would no, – in that point, it would be Sheets. Um, so, But Sheets has been hitting pretty well as well, and I, Tony wants the left-handed bat. Um, so – it's it's an interesting question. I, you know, having three catchers on a twenty-six man roster um, makes things uh, very tight on a normal team, but especially a team that has, like we just listed, three or four designated hitters that all yeah. need to play, not need to be off their legs. You know, a couple times yeah. a week. Can Reese or Sebi play second base? <laughs> need someone to do it there. Yeah, but doesn't appear to be the case because Her- you know Harrison's been playing well too. So I mean, I don't. Yeah, Harrison's it's, been playing. I guess it is a good qu- good problem to have. Um, you know, we want everyone to be healthy, but, um, it, you know, what stinks is, you know, Reese doesn't have an option. Sebi doesn't have an option. That is why the Blue Jays traded for Zach Collins, because Collins had that option. 
Um, the White Sox don't have the flexibility with their catchers. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, either one of these guys gets gets DFA. Another play, another team's going to pick one of them up. Oh yeah, right away immediately. Yeah, another defensive catcher that can kind of hit a little bit. You're definitely going to get picked up right away. So we'll see. Uh, Grandal, of course, has been. I saw a couple. I didn't even look at his minor league rehab assignment, but I just saw some highlights of some home run he hit. Uh, hopefully, he's healthy enough because he's been playing hurt all year. It seems like hopefully he's healthy enough to. Hopefully he has the second half he had last yeah, year. Yeah, just nothing but bombs and walks. That's all we want from yep. Yasmani Grandal. And uh, speaking of bombs, this twin series, a couple games with quite a few runs, which I think is part of the reason why White Sox fans I've seen are way more optimistic when you score 12 runs and 11 runs and if twice or in, bo- in two games in a four-game yeah. series on the road. That's a, that's a big confidence booster. These, these weren't, you know, one to two wins or – or four, five to four wins. These are butt kickings. Even the six to two win, um, and and we were talking a little bit during the game where Lynn pitched. I felt like they still could have came back and won that game. They were right. down six, and they, balls were hit hard to the warning track, and I, it just seemed like I was going to say the loss. The loss was even. They were optim- hitting the ball. You know, it made you optimistic about it. They stayed in the game the whole time. They just mm-hmm. couldn't get the real big hit mm-hmm. um, to break it open. You know, they lost by four, right? But no, it was um, they lost by three. It was six to three. So after that, lost by three. Yeah, yeah. They but they put you know they had a tying run at the plate several times in the last couple yeah. innings. And it AJ just Pollock like, smoked a ball that I'm like, oh, that's a gap, yes. and then the guy caught it. Kepler, and then yeah, Gavin Kepler Sheets. had two. Kepler had two ridiculous catches that he misplayed and mm-hmm. still somehow caught because he caught one on Anderson too. Anderson hit one on the wall yeah. that he kind of jumped awkwardly and caught it as well. So yeah, that I mean it was a great series and really everything except Lance Lynn was awesome in that series. I mean the bullpen was very good. Joe Kelly was good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the defense was very solid without Robert. Um, you know, there was one game where all three outfielders made diving catches. Uh, it was Lurie in left, Angle in center, and Sheets in right. Um, great to see. And Tim was making good plays. Harrison always makes good defensive plays. So that series alone makes you feel really confident moving forward, especially because that was the team you needed to catch. You know, they, they split the series in Cleveland, and it was – Cleveland and Detroit were both very similar series where they looked like crap the first two games mm-hmm. and then they were very good the second two games of both series and they ended up splitting both. And we kind of yeah. joked that maybe that's what they were going to do with those four-game series. It is what they did. That's why I kind of say, like, the, the downs, the, how I started the podcast, the, 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 lows were, <laughs> the lows were lower than the highs were high in mm-hmm. those two series, but you stayed afloat. And, you know, Dylan pitched his ass off, you know, it, I, and I do want to get into, you know, th- that first game of the doubleheader against Cleveland mm-hmm. where Bieber just mowed them down. And right. They, didn't, they look like a minor league team. Mm-hmm. They even probably, they look like a high school team <laughs> against Bieber. And that was when Ozzy went off in the, in, in the press. That, in the yeah, that, that was the game when they were, they were just, just swinging at the first pitch, swinging at the first pitch and all that he stuff. Was so, he was so pissed off. It grabbed headlines. He got into a fight with John Heyman. <laughs> Um, God, <laughs> and you know, of course, yeah, there was rumors in on that he was going for Tony's job. No, he wasn't, but you know, he was—he's blunt, and that's why Ozzy's great. Ozzy's an awesome post-game um, host because he's going to tell you the facts and he's going to tell you what he would do in those situations and what he did in those situations. And it's, it's refreshing to hear, especially when you're not a, a fan of the guy that's currently in the office. But 
you know, it, it, it had to come out. And I don't think, I think, you know, he, Ozzy wasn't taking cheap shots. I, I think they had just built up to the point where Ozzy had to explode. And he was just disgusted with watching this team. And he explained how he is a White Sox fan through and through. Mm-hmm. And that's what was pissing him off. Just as a fan, the team just didn't look good. And then Dylan Cease comes out and is the stopper in the second game of the doubleheader. And that's when things started to turn around. And they won, um, you know, six of the last seven before the break after – after it really did hit the low point in the season, uh, you know, I guess arguably, yeah. but it, it really felt like the lowest point of the season when your your post game show is really mocking the entire organization. Um, yeah, especially like- uh, NBC Sport. I mean, Chuck Garfine's a pretty big homer. He's not really going to take hard shots at the White Sox, which is understandable. Gordon Beckham just got a job. Scott Pesetting seems happy to be there. You know, Frank Thomas has has called people out sometimes before. But that post game show to get them to snap is kind of a big deal. Um, looking ahead, we we can talk about we're, we're skimming over a little bit, but that's okay. So we've got the pitch because this is in relation to Cease again. We've got the pitching matchups for the yeah. upcoming Guardian series. And one, that's interesting. By the way, tomorrow everyone Apple Plus game. So good luck trying yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> Apple TV Plus game. So socks and Cubs, Iron Sox and Cubs are both on Apple TV. I don't know how that works. Uh, at the same time, Iron, Cubs. Are the Cubs West Coast? No, the Cubs Maybe. are on at six. Maybe I mean I'd, I'd imagine you could pick which game you want. There's two yeah. games. So, so there, I saw somebody, some Chicago reporter saying, Cubs and Sox are on Apple TV tomorrow. There you go. So really quick here, we've got the the pitching matchups on tomorrow. Lucas Giolito versus Cal Quantrill, and then for the doubleheader, Game One, Tristan McKenzie versus Johnny Cueto, and then Game Two, does it have it up or yes? Um, Cleveland has not said who they're going with yet versus Lance Lynn. And then, yeah. And then Sunday, of course, is the Shane Bieber, Dylan Cease matchup, which that shows at least to me that they realize they can't be punting games and you have to put your best versus their best and try to get a win. And, you know, granted, Bieber made him look like crap, but if Cease's lights out and the Sox can eke across a run or two or get Bieber out to get to their bullpen, as long as it's not their closer. That should maybe they can maybe win that game. So that's what it shows to me is they're not punting any of these games. So yeah, I mean we had a conversation in our text thread um, on my feelings about this. I was just kind of surprised that you don't you know normally in a doubleheader you take advantage of getting that extra man. You bring up a pitcher, and that's probably what Cleveland is doing to, to pitch the second game. And Davis Martin has been a really great sixth starter, twenty seventh man on this team. And I was kind of surprised that they didn't do it. And you know I was only criticizing the team because you know I think that that's what you should do with the twenty seventh man in that situation. Um, I also was surprised you know Lance Lynn like you brought up earlier was kind of talking about he was happy to get this rest at the break and you know was kind of talking about how he was a little bit rushed when he first came back from injury he actually you know his start even got moved up a day his first start back from injury and obviously he hasn't been pitching well so maybe he was just kind of like looking for excuses but I'm just kind of surprised that they brought him they had him they had him pitch the second day back Uh, I also was kind of surprised you didn't just have Dylan pitch the first game um, he's been your best pitcher this season on the roster and just kind of want to have him have the most starts here as they go to this second half stretch. I do agree ultimately with what you just said, though. They're clearly not punting any games in the series, and I should certainly be um, happy about that. Um, so, you know, we'll see. You know, this your top four are pitching, probably not the top four for Cleveland, so go win this series. It's at home. you got to start playing better at home for sure if you want to win this division. Cleveland's been a streaky team all year. 
and they're a younger team and they've got a superstar on their team and they've got a you know Cy Young caliber pitcher on their team but we just hope that the Sox run into a Cleveland team that's streaking in the bad direction you know they looked really good this those second two games of that four game set and like you said earlier they haven't played well against Cleveland at all this year so hopefully this is the the start of something and weird schedule the Sox have coming up they've got this four game set then an off day then they go to Colorado for two then an off day then back home for a three game set versus Oakland so seems kind of dumb they make them travel for a two-game series, but at least there's two off days built in in the, yeah. in the travel games. So that's nice, but it just seemed kind of weird to me. They can recalibrate themselves from the mile high. Apparently. Maybe they'll hit some bombs <laughs> in mile high. Uh, Saturday night, by the way, is Yasmani Grandal bobblehead night. So if you want yeah. that, maybe he'll be back for that. Maybe he'll be doing a bat, a bat drop home run, which would be nice for Yasmani Grandal. Um, and after that, we mentioned that this was the – biggest stretch coming up for the Sox this AL Central and I think you had their what was their their record versus this stretch here so they're 11 and 7 in July they're 8 and 7 in this you know they, they started July with the three game right. sweep of San Fran so they're 8 and 7 in this 19 game straight against mm-hmm. the Central and we kind of talked like you know was a goal we kind of went you know 11 and 8 mm-hmm. we're looking at 12 and 7 will be beautiful so if they sweep Cleveland here they would finish this Stretch at twelve to seven. Um, if they win three or four, eleven and eight, and then if you know you you split, and hopefully we're not going to go any lower than that, you still do win the stretch. T- uh, you know, ten and nine. The fortunate part is, you know, we thought you were going to have to do a little bit better than even in this stretch because I think they started the stretch six games back, but yeah, Minnesota's just played so crappy, um, and. You know, I don't really know why. It's kind of the. It's not like anyone's hurt or anything on Minnesota. They just, they're just kind of going back to, uh, you know, sea level. You know, I think they were playing a little bit above their level at the beginning of the season, and I think they're kind of this is the team they are. I don't, you know, Cleveland and Minnesota are both not very good, and that's what we've always kind of just, you know, pinned our hopes on is that neither one of those teams was going to take off and do anything, and we didn't really feel like they would, and and they haven't, and you know, I, I think the next topic we're going to get on is the deadline that's coming up soon, trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Who's going to make a move? You know, um, it's probably pretty unlikely that Cleveland does, just because there's such a, for lack of a better word, cheap team. Maybe they'll sell. Uh, I don't. What what if? I mean, with that second wild card, probably maybe not, but or third wild card, I should say. But let's say the Sox sweep them. And then they lose a couple after that. Do they sell? I don't really know what they have, to be honest. To build Um, up. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. Maybe they're closer. You you trade your closer for a bunch of prospects right now? They're all-star closer? He's got like four years left on his – I mean, he's pre-RB. I wouldn't think that. They just extended Jose, so that, you know, obviously not him. Framil Reyes, I don't know how many years he's got left. You know, I don't – and I don't really know what they need. Obviously, you know, probably a little bit of offense. You know, Minnesota has been talking about starting pitching. They're, you know, Luis Castillo is kind of the big name starting pitching wise, and both the White Sox and Minnesota have been tied to him, you know, to a degree. It would be very interesting if Minnesota went out and made a move that big because that would cost them a couple big prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'll be very interesting. I think, you know, obviously, you know, with the White Sox in the window that they're in. They are the most motivated to to buy right now, um, and I th- I think they will. I think they will make a move. Um, we can kind of start getting into some of the rumors. I mean, why not start at the top, Steve? I mean, why? <laughs> Obviously, the big news that came out this week is Juan Soto, 
turned Either on the a first little... or second best player in baseball, uh, depending on who you ask. Here is on the block. Um, the Jim Bowden has floated out the White Sox as a possible suitor, um, and of course, White Sox Twitter has been all about throwing out what <laughs> what kind of trade packages, including our own Tyler, has put out a massive trade package that it would cost. Um, what do you think? I you know I guess. I'll ask you a couple questions here. You know, do you think the White Sox will be anywhere near involved to to get him for three years? And then, you know, we've talked about trade comps in in the past, and maybe it's just better to compare with other sports. Is there anything that you could possibly pull out of your head that this that a move for a guy like Juan Soto with two and a half years left on his contract um, does that bring up any memories of any other sports moves that have come up in the past? The so the trade is so unique. Like you had, you ended there because of how much time you have him for control. He's not a rental player. He's not even a one year player. He's two and a half years you get him for. So that's interesting. He's twenty. He's uh, twenty three years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. The first question. No, I don't think the Sox are going to be anywhere close to offering what they would need to to get him because I think the amount you would have to offer if you were trying to win a division this year and a playoff series and all that stuff, the amount of MLB contracted talent you'd have to trade, I don't know if you'd have a full enough team to do it. But anyway, so I don't think so. I also, my hunch tells me he's not traded at the deadline. And they try to work something out in the offseason, either for a trade or go back to the drawing board and say, hey, let's talk about a contract. You know, that's that's kind of what I think they're going to go back and try to do something. I think their hope, you know, the only thing that I can really see is those three teams in the West and out West, mm-hmm. Giants, Padres, Dodgers. If they just get into a gigantic bidding war, they had a bidding war last year for Scherzer. Could the Nats just be able to pull off some huge heist? You know, I'll speak for Tyler. Tyler mentioned in our text thread that he likes San Diego to make a move. I don't know how much San Diego really has left. Um, you know, they've traded a lot of their farm already. I mean, they had the best farm in baseball two years ago. They've moved a lot of them to build the team that they have now. That's very good. I think San Francisco is mighty, mighty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, just because Zaidi's, I think, for my money, the best GM in baseball. And... But he also has not been a guy that likes to spend big money. Granted, there are two different conversations that you know Juan Soto falls in right now is because you know because he doesn't want to sign a huge contract at this point with the Nats is why he is on the block. So would teams just be motivated to just take him for these two and a half years, pay him his art whatever he gets in arbitration, and let him go after it? I mean, obviously you still get three playoff races, so why the heck not? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, so, and then the other thing I wanted to bring up, you know, my thing, and I'm surprised I haven't seen it more on Twitter, Chris Sale is the closest thing that I can think of from a baseball perspective uh, on what this trade is like. Now, Juan Soto is different than Chris Sale, obviously, because he's a position player versus a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, Sale was a little bit older. But if you look at just value of that player in the last two, three seasons before they were traded, they are very similar. Sale was a six-war player, uh, I think, all three seasons up till the time that the White Sox traded him. He was on a contract that already had bought out his arbitration, so you knew exactly what you were getting sale for. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Soto's going to break the bank every single year as he gets more arbitration. You know, you know, each year that will increase, uh, and it's based on how good he is. So you're going to pay at least a 
percentage of how good he is. Yeah. So there is that involved. So the White Sox, when they got Chris Sale, it was two top 15 prospects and another very good one in Basabe and then a throw-in. Could a team do something similar and probably a little bit more? So maybe three top 30 prospects? I don't know if any teams out there have three top 30 guys, but um, at least not in their farm system. Still, like Seattle is somebody that I've seen thrown out there because That's what their prospects just, just you, came yeah. up. Is Seattle. Their prospects just came up. You know, We saw Julio Rodriguez in the home run derby. Dude is an absolute stud. Would you move him for Soto? <laughs> I mean, that would be if you quite think, the so, move. The Ast- or, sorry, the Astros. The, the Mariners are very much a very realistic wild card contender. And, of course, now there's oh. no play-in game. It's You play a series to get in the first round. So yeah. they've, won, that's, they've won 14 in a row here. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to bring this up, Steve. You, know, you kind of let me into this. Sure. So I was watching uh, um, I was watching Moneyball last night. And, of course, you know, the, the end montage is them on this huge win streak. They're going to break the American League record of 19 games in a row, held by our 1906 Chicago White Sox. And it's like a gigantic news story. I mean, they're doing this montage of, you know, national news talking about this it's on the cover of the new york times and everything like that and granted you know the mariners are only at 14 but i mean does anyone outside of you know baseball twitter know that the mariners have won 14 in a row i mean it's just it's funny how how far this sport has fallen from 2002 when that was such a gigantic story well it was a bigger story from what i remember it was like oh these this look how low oakland's payroll is and, and it winning. was, yeah, it was this money ball, obviously, and it was yeah, this That was when they lost phenomenon. That's when they lost know? Giambi and Mulder. They lost so many players, and they're still doing this. We'll see. I mean, honestly, I didn't know they won 14 in a row. I thought they were only at like 10 or 11. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so what's, what's awesome, too, is you know who they face this weekend? It's Houston. So 14-game winning streak on the line, and you're playing, for my money, the best team in baseball right now. Yeah. Uh, can they keep the winning streak going against uh, the big, scary Houston Astros? That I, I, I'm going to watch this series. It's going to be awesome. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Maybe what? Now this is crazy. What if the Baltimore Orioles say, "Here's our top three systems. We're sick of being the bottom fillers of the okay. AL East. We're going to go sneak into a wild card spot and make some noise in the it, playoffs." I mean, it's out of left field. And that's but, the equ- yeah, you, you know, and that's the equivalent of Sox and Cubs making a trade too. That that's you know. Uh, a local rivalry. Yeah. Um, you know, they're very, very close in, in location wise. I thought about Baltimore, but I kind of threw it away immediately because they have such a rivalry. It would, I mean, it is, I don't know if it's quite to the level, but of they're Sox not in the Cubs same, the Cubs. they're on the same league. No, I know, but so- you know, everyone said ne- the Sox and Cubs would never make a trade until the Eloy thing happened. Um, you know, it would be a huge trade. And that's why that would be, you know, an, even an extra headline getter because they are, yeah, we'll quote unquote see. rivals. You know, it's it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, MLB trade deadline. I, I agree with you too. I don't. Fun. I don't think he moves. I, okay, I, I don't. I may. I would. I would put the likelihood of him signing with the Nats. Yeah, higher than a trade. I agree. I mean, and I think that you know they're playing. They're playing poker right now, and, and you know, Soto. Yeah, they and don't. Boris. Yeah. Boris, you know, Boris is his agent. You know. What does he want? You know, right. what is what is Scott Boris? And the Nationals is like, we don't have to give you a contract now. <laughs> like, they, this was an offer, and if you, the answer is no, the answer is no. 
unless Boris thinks that MLB's revenues are going to keep going up and up and up and there'll be more money for him in a few years. Well, then, of course, you're gambling with getting hurt and all that other stuff. But, yeah, if I was the Nationals, I would, I'd keep him and try to build a team to go win the division and, and make a playoff run with him. Um, they have the money weird, and they you know, there's They're bare, though. I mean, they are really, yeah. really bare. Yeah. They don't have good players on their Major League Baseball roster. They don't have good players in the farm <laughs> system. So we'll see. they need to make a turnaround, but – and obviously, it's that's the fastest way to do it, moving Soto. But it just feels too fast, I think, to get done by August second, unless these, like I said, unless I think teams start throwing out huge offers and one upping each other, then maybe the Nats will have to accept one of the ones that come in. Yeah, and I'm just looking up just some more MLB trade rumors and stuff. Um, Mark Feinson of MLB MLB.com was on MLB Network and. He thinks the Angels should trade Shohei Otani to rebuild their team. So he's like, that's, he said, I wouldn't, he says, Otani is the, right now the most value he'll ever have for the Angels because they've trade him now. The team that acquires him has, has him for two postseason runs. If they trade him in the offseason, that becomes one. So unless in the Angels believe they'll be able to resign him, and it's hard to believe with Mike Trout and Anthony Rondon on the books, they will. I, now is the time to trade him. You're getting max value if you trade him between now and August 2nd. I don't know if the Angels do it, but it's something they have to consider. They have the, the Angels have the 28th ranked farm system for MLB. So, Poor Mike Trout. I mean, also another thing is Michael Conforto. Of course, he's starting to draw interest yeah. now um, for maybe coming back to the end of the year. Um I don't know if I was – unless we have an injury, I don't think that's something the Sox should really do or look at because he hasn't played all year, so you don't know what he is. Yeah. Um, but that's just – it's just more hot stove there was, kind of fun stuff. Yeah, there was a rumor that I sent to you before we got on that came out in MLB Trade Rumors. I don't know who the writer was um, that said the Sox are interested in the making a deal with the Reds, possibly for Naquin – Tyler Naquin and Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury, a utility infielder. Tyler Naquin, a right fielder. You know, kind of interesting. You know, the biggest holes on this team going back to the offseason were second base and out and right field. Mm-hmm. You know, the Reds do have two guys that could fill in both of those gaps. I mean, I think that it would cost like maybe someone on the level of like a Lenin, Lenny and Sosa um, to get that done, which I would do. Um, you know, you. Get a better version of Gavin Sheets. Um, God bless him. Get a better version of Josh Harrison. You know, God bless him too. Put them both on the bench. Make your bench a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, what the Sox, like we talked about their restrictions just on the starting lineup, but the Sox are pretty restricted on their 26 man as well. And a big reason for that, unfortunately, is Lurie. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you can be a contender, like a World Series contender. And have a guy hitting as bad as Lurie on the roster. I'm gonna just yeah. say that. I know he's got three, two years after this. I just unless he turns it around immediately, he's just been so bad this year. Yeah, and it's not like he's a defensive specialist or something like that. Were right. to justify he's not, his team, he's a utility I mean, he's, guy, which is he's fast-ish. You know, I mean, he's you know, it's not like he's Billy Hamilton or anything. He doesn't serve like a specific purpose on this roster. So he's got to turn it around like by the deadline maybe he is just included in a deal like as a throw-in or something yeah um but who know. wants to pay him 10 million dollars for the next two years five million a year I have no idea. so that that's the other thing too but yeah it's definitely some stuff to think about and look at over the next nine days here uh, as we get towards the trade deadline but 
it's exciting and i my gut is the Sox don't make any moves that's what I, my, my predictions they don't do any I don't, you don't, do anything. you don't even think a reliever no i don't uh well i think some of that has to count on bummer i mean we don't have any uh, we don't have an update on bummer right and they do need a lefty i mean i think if hans if joe kelly has another good week that gives him more confidence in, in the back end of the bullpen for a seventh inning guy if kendall graveman does whatever he has to do to become the eighth inning guy more than once every couple of days uh yeah. that the ideal too and i think of course you've got uh, what's his name? Foster uh, Foster's in the bullpen, and you and you mentioned if Bummer comes back. So I don't know. Um, I don't think they're going to make a move. Ray just, Ray's been yeah. Ray has been pitching great. Make a move just to make a move. Uh, so unless someone gets hurt, I don't. I mean, out for the year hurts. I don't really see them doing it. But we'll see. I, I it seems like this I, might I be a quiet like a it. quiet deadline. I think teams are going to do a few things. Like Cubs are going to trade. Like Wilson Contreras will be traded, and Ian Happ will be traded from from them. But locally there's that but i don't know what's funny is i was thinking about if uh if Grandal was out for the year or something the Sox, hey just go trade for Contreras for the second half of the year and have a guy that's played in the playoffs before but probably not going to happen anymore but do you get any, no. any trade predictions what do you think is quiet and just across mlb not just necessarily the the white Sox. um no i think it'll be I think there will be some moves, you know, a, a plethora of moves with the expanded playoffs and everything, yeah. um, and the expanded first round, like you mentioned. It's not just a coin flip first game. You're going to have three games in that first series, so it just kind of adds to you You need depth. You're not going to just count on one starter or anything like that. You know, Luis Castillo, the starting pitching market is not great. That You know, that is one thing. Luis Castillo is, like, by far the biggest name available, yeah. um, and – you would think he'd go to a Yankees well, or a hey, Dodgers so or something I just like that. read an article today that a few Reds players were telling his reporter that he's not going to go to the Yankees because of their hair policy. And like oh, they were geez. and they were like dead serious. Luis Castillo has long dreads. They're it's like a it's like it is signature, but yeah, you can yeah. tell it's him. It's a big deal. So Yeah. He's, they they were he, like he was the reporter was like the players I'm like you guys are joking like no he is not going to go so somewhere and do that. It's weird that a team still does like they're that the military or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. It's just like it's the only team that does it. It's it, you know it's <laughs> you're part of a <laughs> league of thirty teams and you're the only one who has this rule. Yeah, well, um, whatever. They also have the only team with like forty seven retired numbers. So what are you going to do? That's true. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking specifically in the AL, I, and, and shame on me, I haven't paid much attention to the National League this year. There's not really, for me right now, nothing super compelling. It's not, it's not as good of, you know, it's not as good of baseball so far this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the American League is way more compelling. I watched I watched the first game of Yankees-Astros today, and it was phenomenal, yeah. but uh, Yankee, or the Astros kicked their butt in the second game. Um that's a great series, and of course we want the White Sox to be in the American League Championship Series. But if we get Yankees Astros, I mean that's a decent second prize, you know, second place prize. Well, we talked about this too with this new playoff format. If the Sox win the division, they'll be the third oh, division yeah. winner. So they will face the last wild card team in the in a two out of three first round. So yep. best case scenario, they're facing the Astros, the Yankees. So. It'll it'll be reseeded after after the second round, but either way, the Sox will face most likely the the second play the second best division winner, 
which that could be the Yankees or the Astros right now. It's, it's one of those two. Yeah, it's what's gonna, probably the Yankees. I'd rather yeah. face the Yankees than the Astros. I'm just the Astros are like the A- boogeyman Astros, to me. Astros, oh yeah, not only yeah, are they the, they're the boogeyman of the Yankees too. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the Yankees can't beat them this year. And you know, you brought up William Contre- uh, Wilson Contreras before. I think he does go to the Astros. That is, I'll make a prediction for that mm-hmm. happening. They were playing a catcher that I had never heard of in the first game of the doubleheader today. I don't. I think he's only been in the league for a couple of days, but I mean, they have Martin Maldonado, who's a great defensive catcher, but go get an offensive catcher as well that's readily available. I think that move just makes so much sense. It has to happen, um, and that just makes them even so much scarier. Um, you know, Verlander's been awesome. They're going to get. Um, Who's the dude that got Lance McCullers back at some point as well? Mm-hmm. They're adding from within, um, you know, a Lance McCullers, so they don't even need to go out and get a um, Luis Castillo. Catcher is really the only spot on their roster that needs a vast upgrade, and I, I obviously I think that they will do it. Yeah, and they're building not to win a division; they're building to win the World Series right now, because they they kind of know their path, but they want to win the. Like the ALCS like last year, but this year go all the way and, and finish it off again. Maybe one year without cheating, they'll then get one. And Dusty will finally get his ring, but I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. skeptical. We'll see. Uh, anything else looking forward you want to talk about? Any other uh, things you've noticed in the last week or so, uh, whether it be defense or whether it be barreling the ball more, anything like that, before we close up for shop for the week? I just think, you know, uh, I'll bring up the Mariners and the Orioles again, mm-hmm. two young teams that are just super, super fun, and I've been jealous watching them because I want my White Sox team to be that fun. And maybe we do get a really fun second half here. You know, maybe these guys do get healthy and start playing some good ball, not getting thrown out on the base pass, playing good defense. That's the stuff I want to see. It's the stuff that I turn the TV on every night to watch, and I don't want to be, you know, down early and watch because of, you know, a stupid error and then have them, you know, blow their only rally because of a getting thrown out at home by a mile. I, I hope that stuff that happened in the first half of the season goes away, mm-hmm. and I hope they start playing better ball. And they got this refresher. Lance said it. Liam said it. Now they need to start playing better. And we've talked about it every single time in this podcast. The schedule in August is so freaking easy. So go win, you know, 25 of 30. <laughs> you right. know, something – well, they, they can so because now we've the, got the, the schedule is laid out. Yeah, for in them. August they have, I guess, two what you'd say tough series. They have a four game set at home versus the Astros, and they yeah. go to Baltimore to play your Orioles for three. So they'll, <laughs> those are the best teams they're going to be playing in that in the month of August. <laughs> a lot of we got a lot of KC. Everything. We've got a lot of Tigers. You know, we've got Rockies, yeah, Diamondbacks, right. Athletics. I mean. I yeah, watched the Athletics today too. They are just pathetic. Um, yeah, yeah. Like you said, a lot of Royals. I mean, they and the Royals are only going to get rid of people, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so they're, you know, they're going to sell and even be a lesser team. This team can go on a gigantic run, and I want them to do it, playing some very fun baseball and just kind of have the, you know, a very, very much inverse season of last year. And you are playing better and getting to a crescendo as you approach the uh, postseason rather than what happened last year when they were definitely on the downside yeah. of the season after playing a you know a, a good first half exactly so that's what i'm looking forward to too so hopefully tomorrow on apple plus if i can figure out how to watch it on my phone or my apple tv or whatever my dad is definitely going to be calling me channels a socks game on dad turn on your apple tv so yeah 
Uh, also, really quick before I forget, you're talking about fun stuff. So, what do you think of the All Star Game this year's? I didn't. I didn't watch much. Okay. And I, you know, I think just I, I watched the whole home run derby. I I don't know for some reason that tickles my fancy to just a little bit more. It's just fun. I really love the new format. Um, mm-hmm. It's super exciting. I really like watching Pete Alonso get so super serious about it. I was sad that he lost uh, early on. Um, the Pujols thing was <laughs> very weird to watch. Um, mm-hmm. At first, it seemed like why in the world is he in here, and then it, he somehow wins the first round. Well, they switched so bats, a, and I'm, that was probably a Super Bowl. They switched bat. bats. And they super switched Bowl. balls. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> The pitcher was, you know, uh, throwing, literally throwing it for Schwarber. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. I didn't really, yeah, I didn't watch much of the All-Star game. Uh, just didn't really match my schedule, and I wasn't incredibly motivated. Uh, you know, with Tim and Liam being, uh, you know, Liam only played one out, you know, yeah. only threw to one batter. Um, you know, Tim got a hit, good for him. And uh, the American League won again, which is insane. Um, Nine in a row? It doesn't, you know, it, it, it was nine in a row. Yeah. And it, you know, I don't know, you know, last year I took it in a little bit more. I think it maybe just fluctuates. I just didn't, I couldn't get it too uh, excited. I don't know if it It was because of how the Wednesday are playing. It wasn't that particularly exciting. Yeah. It wasn't that particularly exciting of a game. And I I was mad. And, and I was mad about Dylan Seas. There you go. He wouldn't have played anyway, but it would have been nice to be named. I know, Um, but I was mad. Because he pitched, pitched on Sunday, but there was a few things I liked. I liked, they, they were doing a lot of talking to the pitcher while he was on the mound and like i heard that john schmoltz like what are you gonna throw him here he's like how about a slider like, all right here you go here you go and he would throw it like stuff like that in an all-star okay. game is really cool um i was a big fan of the umpire camera which i wish that was an option every game because you could see movement of pitches and see just how fast these balls are coming in and you'll be watching from the center field cam like what are you swinging at that slider for and then you like see it like oh it moved literally at the last second it looked like it was right down the middle <laughs> so stuff like that was really cool um i did like the uh, it started off with a couple home, with a home run with hard hit balls I'm like ooh maybe these are the juiced baseballs for the all-star game but nothing yeah. after that so uh, i liked all i kind of i like the jerseys i like the gold and the gray i like the look cool i like the gold spikes some of the guys had so for not being an exciting game, and I was didn't have much going on just to watch it. It was it was enjoyable production wise for me. Very cool. Yeah, I mean they got to keep it fresh somehow. I mean, I, and and I, I I know people complain about the interviews. I think the interviews are different during a real game. Yeah, <laughs> and and when they do it in playoff games, I mean you can't do that stuff. I mean it's too distracting. Mm-hmm. To the players, and it's not even what like, the fans want. Yeah, what, but during like, the All Star game, yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. What manager during a playoff game is going to give you like what he's thinking? He's literally just like, "Stop! I'm going to let's get this over with. I'm going to give you your one word answers." Yeah. But it's, it's hard to imagine a time when we weren't they weren't doing this. You know, talking to coaches at halftime during timeouts. It's commonplace now, so I guess we get used to it. Uh, so we're going to wrap up the show with this week, hoping for like, four game sweep at home versus the Guardians. Let's do it. Uh, kind of a weird schedule because of the off days, but I think we'll be back next Thursday uh, after the Rockies series because there's no game that day. So we'll have six games to talk about. Hopefully Tyler will be back. And hopefully we'll be talking about a 5-1 a and one or a 6-0 and oh streak for the Sox. You know, that'd be, that'd be ideal. I think I, I, Tyler texted us and said he wanted to throw a 5-1 and one prediction. I'll, I'll match him. I, I think they'll go 5-1 and one as well. I think they'll go 4-2. I, I, I guess I am... <laughs> jumping on board again to the 
yes. crazy White Sox roller coaster that this season's been. I'm going to pick four and two. They're going to win the first two games, lose the second two, and then win in two in Colorado because they're the Sox and they'll drive me nuts like that and do just enough to keep us in keep us in line. And also the Twins are going to lose like 10 yeah. in a row because the Twins suck. Speaking of the Twins sucking, it was nice to see another manager do something stupid for once where he didn't challenge the play at the plate. And I think it was the first yeah. inning. And it just that changed the game. I'm like, I was like, he's out. I'm like, why would you not challenge this? Like, what's happening here? But yeah, AJ Pollock got a guy out at the plate, sort of. Yeah, he was safe. Just, like, <laughs> he was safe. It's fine. Replay definitely yeah. showed him safe. I don't know why they didn't challenge. Uh huh. Exactly. But I guess it was the first thing you want to waste it. He wasn't sure, but it's a pretty pretty big play. So nice to see that. As always, guys, follow the show's Twitter account at Concourse Pod and on your favorite podcast app. Just search the Outfield Concourse and hit subscribe, and we'll be there every week pretty much. Or if there's any breaking news, I mean, if there's a big trade or something, maybe we'll do a trade deadline special as well. We did last year. Yes, remember. we did. We did. I was breaking going, Craig Kimbrell. Breaking Craig Kimbrell news. Ah, oh, we were so happy, so innocent. Oh man, oh, God. go back to the archives and your favorite podcast app and listen to that one. How pumped we were. Also, you can follow Casey on Twitter at Casey Boguslaw and Tyler on Twitter at RegionRat14. Casey, good talking to you again. And everyone else. Take it easy, Steve. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 